Welcome back to the Dads Unplugged podcast. I am your co-host, Nelson Osorio, and we are really excited for our guest, Aaron West. And um, we just, before starting, had a really good laugh, so it's going to be a fun episode. I'm here with my co-host, Sean Pace. Sean, go ahead. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome. This is an episode I've been waiting and excited, and we're very thankful for for his time, Aaron West. I'll, a little bit about him. He is the owner of the West Experience Real Estate Group, a tri athlete in Ironman competitions, a nonprofit advocate, a mentor to many people, husband to one, and a father as well. Welcome to the show today, Aaron. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Uh, this is definitely one I've been waiting for and um, so happy just coming off of a vacation to, to Maui and getting some time with your family and some friends. And what can you share with our guests just a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm the oldest of six, and so uh, we had four boys, and then uh, I was 15 when my little sister was born, and then 17 when my little brother was born, and still living at home. So I, uh, you know, one of the things I realized is that by the time you have the fifth and the sixth kid as an as a parent, you just go, they're growing up no matter what I do. So I felt like I had a <laughs> an early start to the whole parenting thing because uh, my little brother and little sister were, you know, the, the youngest of six. So um, I changed a lot of diapers before, uh, before I actually had my own, which I think is, there's not a lot of people that can say that dads anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I have a real estate team. I'm in Modesto, California, which is about an hour South of Sacramento and an hour East of San Francisco. So just, right in the middle of almond orchards it's the modesto in the central valley is the almond capital of the world mm. so about 98 percent of the almonds are produced here and i have two boys one's 18 and is a senior and so we're going through all the college stuff and track he's a, a speedy little bugger so we're trying to get him a track scholarship and then my 16 year old boy uh ewan who is just they're both great great boys so I'm at the tail end of that whole father journey. Well, you're never done, but I'm at the tail end of, you know, the teenage years of the father journey. Yeah. Nelson has no idea what that's like as my kids are, my son's 18, graduating high school. My daughter's uh, will turn 17. It's, it's like, I'm at the end. And Nelson's like, I'm right in the middle. I, um, I have, so you'll see in the background, I have a 10 year old son. He'll be walking back and forth. So I'm, I'm curious to get some, some insight. I do have a very specific question about your, your being 17 with a two-year-old little brother. Um, so my wife and I have kind of just at the point where people go, oh, are you going to have another kid? And we're like, well, he's 10. He's halfway out the house. He's, he's eight years before he's out the house. So we're debating, does it make sense to bring in another kid? How will that relationship be with when he goes on to be 11 or 12 with a one or two year old, how was that for you? 17 with, with really young siblings. You know, I think one of the, the things that a lot of parents overthink how their kids are going to react to something. And at the end of the day, they don't know any different. So if you decide to have a child, they're just like, I'm a big brother. It's not like they had any choice in it or anything to say about it. So they're just going to adapt and be the big brother. I mean, that's what we did. I, you know, when, when I was 15 and my parents said I, that they were pregnant again, I was like, dad, there's a reason this has got to stop. You just can't be doing this anymore. There's four of us already and there's not enough food on the table as it is. But, you know, it just becomes a matter of, 
I'm an older brother. And so, you know, I think if it's right for you and you guys feel that it's time, then you just, you do it. You don't give it a second thought. It's a different relationship, you know, than having someone that's two years apart. Me and my, me and my, uh, my first, the youngest one right next to me, and we were 14 months apart. So we were very, very close. Me and my youngest brother, it was, as he got into his teenage years that we got really mm. close because there was just such a big gap between who we were at the time. And, and I mean, we're really tight now, but it's still, I, I think kids just will adapt to whatever it is that, that gets thrown to them. Yeah. I think that's what you end up um, not knowing any different, right? Because that's your, your nuclear household. And it's, it's as just, I've got an older sister that's 13 and 14. I mean, younger sisters too. And there is that gap. And, and it was until I can talk from the younger. So from the younger brother, I'm the only boy out of four. Um, it's my youngest sister and I were pretty tight because my older sisters were off in mm-hmm. college and, you know, starting their own families. And I was still in high school and it wasn't until I got really through college that, myself and my second oldest sister, Patty, we, we got really close, um, because I could look up and ask her questions and, and talk to her about what I was going through. And it was a different, you know, once you become an adult, it's a much different relationship, I think with your, with your siblings and than before. Well, and I think too, Nelson, to just kind of your point, as far as your son, he's been the center of your world this whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so by bringing, if you do decide to do this and bring somebody else in, it's a really great going to be a really great experience for him because he's going to have to learn to adapt to not being the center of your world. And, and that's what the real world looks like, right? You're not yeah. the center of everybody's world in, in the real world. And, and you do need to learn to adapt. So I, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. If you guys decided to move it, you know, one thing that I just thought of just for you, Nelson, and, and especially if you decide to have another one and, and I know Sean's at the, at the end of this journey, like me, but one of the things that that was really that resonated with me a lot as the boys got older, one of my friends said something to me, and you think your son's 10, and it's so long before he turns 18, and it's gone, or 19 is gone, it Mm. seems like forever. But he had this, um, he called it how he, he said how many summers he has left with them. So with your son right now, you only have eight summers left with him. And mm-hmm. when you break it down like that, it's really not that much time. I mean, when right. I think Landon and Ewan were 14 and 12, when someone, when, when Jim expressed this to me and, and talked about how, how he lived his life with his kids and it really changed how we looked at our summers with the boys, what we did with them, how we interacted with them, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, for the people that listen that, you know, you've got a two-year-old or a four-year-old, you really only have 16 summers left or 14 mm. summers left with that, your son or daughter or your kids. And, and that, when you look at it that way, it changes how, how you look at everything. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that definitely puts things into a different perspective. I'm going to just text my wife. Aaron said time to have another child. <laughs> <laughs> he, and you can give her my number too. If you want. He fine. basically got, is saying, no I mean, you didn't say it, but that's what you were implying. Thank you, Aaron. That, you know, that's a, it does give clarity because you lived it. And and Sean, you guys both lived it. So it's different hearing it from the parent that has those kids that are, have the gap. It's different when you're saying, hey, I was that sibling Mm -hmm. uh, from the younger side or the older side. So I appreciate that. Thank you. You bet. bet. It's, 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 I wish I had 
I learn something every time I talk to you, Aaron. I'll just, I mean, I'm putting that out there. Every time we talk, whatever it's about, I learn so much from your wisdom that you share. And I, I appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's true. It, it's every time. I mean, we've, we've spoken three or four times now over the next few months and, um, and I always get off going, wow. Okay. Um, that changed my view on this. I never thought of it from that perspective. And I, and I hope the dads that have the younger kids or even the older kids and you realize your time's almost there. I mean, I, I, you know, putting it into that perspective of the number of summers, just, it blows my mind. And, yeah, and, and I think the other thing too is, uh, and, and probably the best, and you may have heard me talk about this before, Sean, when I, when I talk about friends and who you surround yourself with as well. And, and this was another thing that really impacted my wife and I in our relationships of who, who we hang out with. And it goes like this, where you have five minute friends and those mm -hmm. are the friends like high school friends, college buddies that are still reliving their high school years. And after five minutes, you're like, dude, I love you, but nothing good is going to happen if we hang out for much longer than this. And we all have those people, right? Right. And then you've got your one hour friends, you've got your dinner friends, and those are the people that you can go out to dinner with. It's a really nice time. But when, you, when you're done, you're like, that was a really nice dinner, but it's not necessarily anything that you want any longer than that. Then you've got your weekend friends, and then you have your vacation friends. And your vacation friends are the people that are so high quality that you go for a week with them somewhere and everybody has the right amount of time together everybody gives each other space and at the end of that week you're like when are we doing this again and everybody pulls their phone out and they're like when are we doing this again right and as in all of our relationships and really all areas of our lives i think people need to be more um intentional about recognizing who their friends are in each area of their life, mm. right? You've got your business friends, you've got your, your dad friends, you've got your relationship friends. And if you're intentional about it and you start surrounding yourself with people who do a much better job than you at whatever mm. area of your life is, they're going to be pulling you up and they're going to make you a better dad. They're gonna make you a better husband. They're gonna make you a better parent because their example is such that you by osmosis start to get some of those things. And I think that with parenting and, and, and really too with just your marriage as well, people aren't intentional enough about who they are surrounding themselves with, mm. you know, and sorry, I'm, I'm ranting now, but mm. the, the other thing too about, you know, Keep this going. dad's podcast is that, one of the biggest challenges that I see with families, because I was in the jewelry industry before I before I got into real estate. So I saw relationships from marriage to kids to divorce and everywhere in between and successful marriages, right? And one of the things with, with being a parent is that it's really easy to get your role mixed up as a parent. And you become dad first, husband second, business owner or, you know, business third right mm -hmm. and and the reality is is that we have our children for a season and it's mm -hmm. a really important season and it's a really important job that we have but our marriage is our number one priority always and the the stronger your marriage is and and i've just seen too many people live my brother and sister right mm -hmm. now i mean they lead they led parallel lives they co-parented 
And then they woke up one day and they're like, I don't know you anymore because uh-huh. they, they weren't spouses first. They became mm-hmm. parents first. And so they both poured into their children, but they stopped pouring into each other. So I think wow. that, you know, who you surround yourself with and then just making sure that your priorities are straight because the stronger your marriage is, the better parent you're going to be because you're setting an example for your children of what normal is. And if mm-hmm. all they see is you pouring into them and not pouring into each other, they're destined to recreate that because mm-hmm. that's what they see as normal. And if you're intentional about being a spouse first and then a parent and they see that, it sets them up for having a, a much better relationship as an adult. Because I think a lot of the the screw ups that I had as a dad and that, that I'm sure you guys have had where you look up and you're like, what am I doing? A lot of those things are just recreating what we found as normal because that's what our parents did when hmm. we were little and we don't wow. even recognize that that's what it is. So those are my, those are two nuggets. Wow. That, yeah. Yeah. No, I, that gives me comfort that I could blame my parents for me sucking as a dad. Yeah. Thanks, it's, man. You're just so giving me, you're giving me fault. so much clarity that it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's my <laughs> oh man. This is well, good. This is one of those episodes that you highlight. Send me your dad. The worst part is if somebody skips and hears me say that, they're gonna think, "What the heck was Aaron?" <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this segment, go through the beginning. No, Aaron, you're <laughs> you're right. absolutely right. You know what's what's pretty cool is you mentioned like how you have different categories or how we all have different categories of friends. And as you were explaining it, I'm like visualizing like, oh, there's a few people that I can see in each category. Um, and it gets smaller when you get towards that vacation category. Um, so that's that's such a good analogy. I'm sure, I'm sure that's going to resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's you. And, and the thing that I think is important about it is that you recognize and love people for who they are and where they are in your life right Mm. so it's it's okay to have five minute friends you just know that you got to love on them for five minutes super hard and Mm. then you've got to then you've got to move on and try and find some more vacation friends because that's that's where the real magic happens in in life is the vacation Mm. friends yeah that's something i had to learn um over the last few years and i didn't really i tried to be friends and have everyone the same in the same group and it and it just yeah, I, it took me a long time to finally realize that that's just not the case. And it's, and I do have those friends in each, in each group and trying to explain that to, to my kids as they go through, um, high school and they have friends and, and they have relationships and to try and understand why people are in their life for, for what reason they are and to accept them for that and to love them and hold grace and space, because that's the reason we don't know when we first meet someone how the relationship is going to be or what it's going to develop into. But if we can come from a place like you're saying of understanding and to know everyone has their place in our lives, um, it's a much easier, a much more fulfilling experience with that person with whatever time we have with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're already taken out of my, like some of my questions I have, you're already answering by just talking and it's not even fair because I can't even ask them. <laughs> Well, you can ask them. I'll probably have a different answer. You know, I'm just a parrot of other stuff that people have told me. I'm just really good at just digesting it and then spinning it out. So, well, well, so let me let me ask you this. Um, You mentioned you mentioned real estate. Were you already in real estate when you had your first child, or how? When 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 did that come into play? Because it's a different lifestyle being 
in the real estate industry than a traditional nine to five. So, you know, and th there's some really good principles in that. That's a, that's a great question. So I was in the retail, which is um, not quite as bad as real estate, but it, it was, it was retail. So, you know, Christmases were busy and, and I got into real estate in 2005. So Landon was three and Ewan was one. So they were both little, little kids. Right. And I was really fortunate. And I think these principles apply to everywhere in that, um, time will be taken where you allow it to be taken. And in real estate, mm -hmm. people allow time to take them to where you hear about these people working 70, 80, 90 hour weeks. And I put in some big weeks because I think life is all about seasons too. There are seasons that you go out of balance so that you can come closer back into balance on the next mm -hmm. pendulum swing, right? Um, but I've always been really intentional about making sure that my time and my family time was my time and my family time. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so proud of how my boys have turned out for the most part. Um, you know, how, how my boys have turned out is because we did make sure that we were intentional with our time with them. And we were, we did make sure that they got the time. And, you know, I, I never missed a soccer game. I coached soccer. I never missed a basketball game. I've never missed any of those things because that's truly what's important is watching them grow from, you know, infants to boys to, you know, teenagers to now men. Right. And I think that that's, um, so it, there, there definitely have been challenges along the way, but I think that just making sure that your priorities stay straight um, allows you, if you put the big rocks in first, everything else fits around it. And if you put the big rocks in first, you can actually fit more in that jar than if you try and do it any other way. So we always kept family as, as our big rocks. Wow. It's, um, all right. Sorry. I need a second. Um, yeah, it's, well, that's the way our conversations usually go with yeah, Aaron, I would... Aaron and I, it's, it's, I need a, I need a minute to, to process and, and take that in as you, as you made the, made the switch and, and have, have created, um, your company for, for the dads out there that are, that are looking at, you know, they want to improve things. They want to make it, make a difference. They want to make a switch. What is, you know, a piece of advice you would give them as they're, planning it out, thinking about doing it with their families and, and any sort of hiccups that could come, but what's the overarching, you know, one or two tips that you would give them? That, that's a, that's a great question. I think that the number one tip that I would give is find the people that are going to support you and that have done what you're trying to do. Because if you do that, then, then you take out that learning curve or that learning curve gets so much shorter and then make sure that you're surrounded with high quality people that are going to be good sounding boards for you that really want your success. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like if you're hanging around with your friends that all make $40,000 a year and you say, Hey, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. They're going to look at you and go, you're smoking crack, dude, because that's who you surround yourself with. But if you start hanging around with people that are making a quarter of a million dollars a year and you say, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year. They're going to say, why are you thinking so small? Of course you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. And that mm. translates to parenting as well. You know, mm. if you surround yourself with people that are raising kids exactly like you did and you want to be a better parent, then you go find people that are better quality, not better quality people. I say that not, not necessarily that that way, but people that are farther along in the journey or that have different, 
you know, standards and goals mm. that you would aspire that your children to do, and they're going to pull you up. And so, you know, making any change is always scary. It's like you're standing off the edge of the cliff and you're like, man, I know that water feels good and it's hot, but it's a long way down. <laughs> but it's like Nelson having a baby, right? He's going, should we do it? Should we not do it? Should we do it? As soon as he does it, he's like, all right, here it is. Let's make it happen. And so for people that are thinking about making a change, as long as you're, as long as you surround yourself with the right people and put mm -hmm. a plan in place and have a plan, then success happens because there's a plan. And, mm -hmm. and then, then it's just massive action. You know, the world rewards massive action. I think that the people that, and, and again, I keep kind of trying to pull it back into, to raising a family, but you know, most people skate through life doing the absolute minimum that they possibly can for as long as they can. And they wonder why they get the results that they get. Whereas yeah. if you really want to be an amazing parent, you've got to put the time in to be an amazing parent. And, you know, I, one of the things I used to be very narrow minded about what discipline looks like and what raising a child looks like and all of those kinds of things. And I think, again, a lot of it comes from what was normal for us, but yeah there's a million different ra ways to raise amazing children, right? But it's really important that when you do, whatever way it is, and we talked about this before, it's an inch wide and a mile deep. So commit to that. And then I knew I was going to get a smile out of you, Nelson. I was wondering how I was going to bring that back through. You can't say <laughs> that. Um, you can't say that. Uh, inch it's like, be totally committed to, to doing it the best way that you can. I mean, different cultures, there are some cultures that in, in the Indian culture, the children rule the roost, right? I mean, they are the bosses of the family, but they raise amazing human beings. And, you know, all these different cultures, the people that say spanking is horrible, they, you still can raise an amazing child and not spank them. And you can raise an amazing child and spank them as well. Right if it's all coming from the right place and you're doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I've become much more open to parenting styles than I used to be. I think that at the end of the day with, with boys, especially that's, that's my area of expertise. I know absolutely nothing about girls, but with <laughs> boys, especially it's about giving them the right boundaries. I think that as boys, I, I think of them as like young cults, right? When they're born, they're just, just bouncing all over the place. And if you let a young colt into a pen that's too big, it becomes wild because it needs those boundaries. It needs mm. that space so that it can. And then as that colt gets bigger and older and matures, then you give it the boundaries. Now that colt's job is to always test its boundaries. It's always going to try and figure out if it can jump the fence, right? So it's our job as parents to hold those boundaries very firm so that they understand that that's the boundary for them at that time. And then as they grow, you let those boundaries out to where hopefully at some point you just open the gate and say, fly, be free. And, and they're, they're great people. Wow. Wow. I, I don't know how much more we can cut out of this episode to, to I mean, usually we, you know, have a few nuggets and, and you just keep honestly, you know, yeah. I, I have a I have a question for you about some of the nonprofit work you do because I was listening to you on Clubhouse on on Sunday and you were in the is it Casa? Uh, well, I I was donating for Casa. Yeah, donating really your time. Involved in the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, that's awesome! Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, you know, I think that as you start to experience success, you have an obligation to help the people that don't that that aren't in a position to even see the opportunity to experience success. Mm. And mm. I've always felt a real passion for children just because, you know, I grew up poor. We we were in a loving family, but I remember standing in line for government cheese. We we got babysat and the family bought all four of us boys brand new shoes because our shoes were just so jacked up. So hmm. I come from a place of, of living in some areas that um, I would never want my children to live in out of necessity. Right. We had four hmm. boys and my mom and dad and we lived in a duplex in the barrio, uh, two bedroom, one bath duplex. And so as as things have gone well for us and we've made the right decisions, the the kids in in all of our communities that are in positions where they don't have a loving family they don't have a way out they don't know how to do a way out and places like the boys and girls club or like cost of the child advocate um, services um, those kinds of things can really make a huge impact in helping kids give them a safe place first of all and then give them a path on what the world can look like, not necessarily what they have experienced so far. So I've been in the boys, I've been involved with the Boys and Girls Club for six or seven years, and I will be for a long time. Aaron, can I ask you a little bit about that with your, how involved do you have your kids when you do some of the nonprofit work? Is that a part of your kind of upbringing with them, like come with me or is it you shield them from it? And how does that no, work? No, no, no. I, I think that, in, so that, that brought up another question that I think you guys put in there. So I'm going to, I'll cover two things. One is, um, no, we talk about money. We talk about um, the, the, they went to the Salvation Army with me as five and six years old and served the homeless people for the breakfast with our rotary that, that did it once a month. So we would take, or once every two or three months, actually, we would take them and they serve the homeless so that they saw that and we would talk about it. So um, one of the, the best pieces of advice that I got and kind of, kind of two things. One is when we're talking about having conversations with our kids, it's only awkward if it's awkward to us. They don't know any different, mm. right? So when you talk about sex, when you talk about money, when you talk about drinking, when you talk about dating, when you talk about all of these other things, the most awkward person that is feeling it is you, most likely. And if you have that conversation with them early enough to where they haven't gotten all of that influence to where it becomes awkward for them, then it opens up lines of communication that as they get older, they're much more comfortable talking to you about these things because they understand that you don't hold it as some kind of taboo. Because if you don't talk about it, it's taboo, right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. So if you talk about it, then they're going to be much more comfortable sharing the things that are important or impactful to them or challenges that they have, or even just stuff. I mean, we, we had a conversation last night with my 16 and, and 18 year olds where I'm like, hey guys, if you're drinking, I can't stop you from drinking at this point. You're, you're young adults. I know where I was at your age. All I ask is that you let me know so that if something goes sideways, I know how to help you. And then if, you, if you're drinking and you need a ride, you call me and let me know. Now, neither one of us, our boys, have really gotten into that whole scene. And, and, but I want them to know that, 
I'm not okay with it. I'm not giving them permission to do it, but I also understand that they need to find their own path and their own journey. And so as they go down that journey, I want to be here to help support my wife and I want to be here to help support them. So, you know, that's, I think that's, that's, um, one of the things that we did really well, or I hope we did really well. I mean, you never know how screwed up your kids are till, till years down the road, or even if they tell you the truth till years down the road. And, uh, but, you know, I, I feel like that my wife and I have had really good conversations about making sure that we talk to kids about, about stuff. And with like sex, I told them everything about it except how good it felt. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> Clever. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, here's the conversation. And I was, I was driving with, in the car with one of them. And I was just like, so what do you know about sex? And then we just had the whole conversation about it. And my wife was like, oh, my God. What'd you tell them? And I said everything but how good it felt <laughs> interesting i mean i'll be honest we're probably going to get sponsors for different kind of things than what we're looking for now but thank you <laughs> yeah i mean it's going to be interesting who sponsors our next couple of episodes but yeah that's you know that is that is an uncomfortable conversation but i think you nailed it just is uncomfortable for the parent more so than the child because the child doesn't know i mean they're it's a learning thing for it's them it's a learning thing and, and it yeah. came from i i remember i was i was 10 10 or 11 years old and we had some friends whose parents were from England. So the kids had no accent, but the parents were like full English accent and everything. And we were talking one time and I don't even remember how it came up, but they were like, my parents are naked all the time. They're naked in the house all the time. And I remember thinking, okay, why wouldn't you be naked in the house all the time? Why is that uncomfortable? Why is that not normal? Who makes that rule that it's not normal or that it's not, not comfortable? And, and with my parents, it was the exact opposite. Very mm. religious family, very prudish. I didn't see my dad naked until a year ago when he was sick and I needed to help him take a shower because he had, had some issues. He got in a horse, fell off of a horse, but it's another story. Wow. Um, but, but, you know, I remember thinking that's why, why is that not normal? To just mm -hmm. do that. And so when that was kind of one of the things I told my wife, I said, I'm going to be naked all the time. I'm not going to this. They, they don't know that it's any different. We had naked Sundays when the boys were little. But you and my second one, was he loved being naked. And literally, we have pictures of him probably at 11 or 12 years old playing the computer on a Sunday with his headphones on totally butt naked. And I'm like, <laughs> how's nice. that wrong? Right. Yeah. So it's. I, I think I say that only because it's. It's only uncomfortable if we make it uncomfortable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think you're right on that. It's. It's definitely, and I think different cultures make things <laughs> different. You know, uncomfortable in their own way. As um, we got a, just a few more questions for you, and we really want to respect your time. It's. I. I have one. That, a couple that we try and ask every guest. What do you want your legacy to be? You know, it's it's funny because my grandfather died at 84 years old and he had like 400 people at his funeral. Wow. And um, because who he was, was a, a giver, right? And so he impacted so many people's lives that he died, you and, well, it's been 16, six, 16 years now since he passed away. And there's still posts on Facebook from about my grandfather, from family and friends and that kind of stuff, just going, remember when Red West used to do this? And 
to me, that's what, that's what legacy is like when you're gone, that you've impacted so many people's lives that they're forever changed by you being a part of their life. And, you know, and, and Sean and I, we, we've talked about this a little bit where, you know, I don't ask for anything. I don't have anything to sell because I don't need it. I've, I've lived a really good life. I've built, you know, a really good financial place for our family. And I give because I want people to, I, I want to give. I, I just think that that's how true legacy happens is from giving, giving of yourself um, to other people and just positively impacting them. Wow. I mean, I, I, I know for me personally, um, I mean, you have definitely impacted my life and in great ways, whether, I mean, I hope our conversations continue for, for years to come, but if they all of a sudden don't, because I say the inappropriate thing and you decide to block my phone number, I just want you never to forget. And no, it's, that's and it's, Nelson. And, that's, that's Nelson. Sorry. It's Sean, by association, he's going to block you. So. I can block my number anyway. You are welcome. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, so one other uh, question we want to ask every guest is, um, do you have a dad joke to share? And I think you have something else. So we would love have, to, to hear that. I have a dad story. So this okay. is my Perfect. dad story. So in in one of our, our previous houses, we bought this little ranch yet. And so my the, there was no master. There was just a bathroom at the end of each hall, right? And so my bathroom was at one end of the hall. And if you've ever been into these little ranchettes, usually there's like a shower and it's a tiny shower. It's just a little square shower. Right. Mm -hmm. So we had remodeled it. Jen, the boys were, Ewan was probably three, three and Landon was five. So Jen, Jen had to go somewhere and I was like, all right, boys, it's time to take a shower. Let's get, let's get cleaned up. So we hop into the shower and I wash Landon's hair and we're asking about talking about his day. And, um, he, you know, I was like, all right, bud, go get your brother. So Ewan comes walking in and Ewan's like three years old. And so I'm, I'm washing him all up and I'm like, Hey bud, how's it going? Um, I, we, I chat a little bit and then I go, so how are you doing? And he goes pretty good, except for the penis on my shoulder. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boy. Time to get out of the shower. <laughs> Just matter of fact, she was like, "Pretty good." Penis on my shoulder. I was like, "All right, well, I can't wait for you to grow a little taller." <laughs> Did you ever get that taken looked at? Uh, <laughs> Did he get awesome. checked out for that penis on his shoulder? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> wow. So that's a true story. That's a true story. Uh, wow. You know, and I'll get one more That's thing funny. That, that I think has been one of the best things that we did. So when I was working in the jewelry industry, and this is, this I think applies to everybody and, and we still do it. The boys are 18 and 16 and, and we still do it. But I, I met this woman in the jewelry store who was just high quality. I mean, you could just, just everything she did just was quality. And she, we were talking about her kids and she had two kids. Both of them were, one had graduated from a really great college but the other was in a college, but both very accomplished. And I asked her because it was before, right when Landon was born. Um, yeah, because you and maybe even you and hadn't been born yet. Um, I said, what's the one thing that you've done that you're proud of or you think helped with this? And she said, you know, every single night since the kids have been little, we do our favorite part of the day. And I said, well, what do you mean your favorite part of the day? She said, everybody in the house, my husband, myself, all the kids, 
all of us go around in a circle before we go to bed and we say, my favorite part of the day was, and then you say your favorite part of the day and then it goes to the next person mm-hmm. and you go through it twice. So my favorite part of the day was going out to dinner with the Johnsons and my favorite part of the day was blah, blah, blah. And we did that every day for probably 16 years. And it ends the day on a good note. You get to find out what's really important to your kids and what they enjoyed about the day. I mean, we were at Disneyland and they were like, my favorite part of the day was chicken tenders. I'm like, dude, I just spent 600 bucks on Disneyland. And your favorite part of the day was chicken tenders, right? But I think what that does is that even when the boys were mad at us and they went to bed angry, we always went in there and they had to do their favorite part of the day so that there was something good that ended their day every single day. And I think that if I could give one piece of advice to a parent, if the, you did that with your kids every single night, you would show them that they're the most important thing in the world. They would end their day on a positive day and you would have a little piece of joy that comes from them every single day. Well, I think I'm going to start trying to do that. I know I'm a little late in the head. It's never too late. But I want to, I think that's a great thing. Thank you. No, that's wonderful. Um, Sean, I, am I allowed to ask him a would you rather question before we go? Definitely. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) My my son loves this. We do this in the car all the time. I, I have one question. It's not specific to anything you said. I I just like to have something preloaded, but the caveat is you got to be honest. You have to pick one. And you kind of got to give a little bit of a reason why you picked it. You can't just pick I'm it and a little nervous right now, but okay. fire. <laughs> and so you go first, and then Sean after. Uh, the question is: Would you rather vomit on your hero or have your hero vomit on you? Oh, I'd much rather vomit on my hero all day long. I'm not getting. I'm not getting a piece of that. No. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> It's like you. It's like you thought about this before. You wow. So no, there's no pause in that answer. Would I vomit on Superman, or would I rather have him vomit on me? I'm like, that's a no-brainer. I'd puke all over him and just not even give it a second thought. Like, dude, I'm so sorry. Peace. <laughs> was... You know what? I have no follow. Sean, go. I have no um, I, I I usually have a little more time to prepare my answer. Um. I, I guess I'd say, you know, vomit on my hero. When you, when you put it that way, I, I don't want to see what the Hulk will do. So um, I would I would rather be the one to do it. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yep. I guess I guess I'm I would logically vomit on me because now you owe me something. Not, go ahead. Uh, Throw up on me. Okay. Okay. I, you see, have to do me a favor. Between you and I is that I'm a giver and you're a taker. So you're going to you're going to give the vomit. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to you owe me now. I'm like, no, dude, I don't owe you anything. I'm just <laughs> you never know what to expect when you ask a would you rather question. <clears throat> never know what to expect. Aaron, honestly, you know, the the several dads that we've had so far in, in the lineup of the dads we have moving forward, like Sean mentioned before, we've learned something each and every episode, um, a different perspective something that's comforting that we're already doing right. And I'm sure that dad's listening. You know, one of the things you mentioned was it's good to have parents that are maybe one step ahead of you, whether it's that they have older kids or that they're experiencing at a different level what you're doing. And and the point of this podcast will give that to people. There's people who are going to listen who have teenagers and and they're listening to you who has an 18-year-old and, and another high schooler and they're going, wow, I didn't think to try this and it's working for him. So let me give that a shot. Um, 
or vice versa, where they're going, you know what, I'm already doing something he mentioned and and it feels comforting to hear that. So it's been a wonderful, um, wonderful opportunity to have you share with us, to have you share to, to the audience and a really, a really fun time. Really appreciate you awesome. for that. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we we appreciate your time so much and we know how valuable it is. And um, thank you so much. How, if people want to find you out there on the streets of social media, where, whereabouts do you prefer to be contacted? You know, social media, probably Aaron one, six, five, six on Instagram. Awesome. And then, wow. Look at that. It was like magic. <clears throat> How'd that happen? Like you knew it was coming, um, you know, or if, if you know anybody in the central Valley, that is, you know, it's the West experience real estate group is the name of my business. So I'm, I'm never too busy to take care of anybody in the central Valley. Wow. Awesome. Aaron, thanks again so much, so much for your time. Uh, I learned so much myself. And as Nelson said, we're, we're grateful for your time today. So we hope to see you again soon. And thank you for everyone listening. Please subscribe, uh, give us a review, send us an email at either Sean or Nelson at dadsunpluggedpodcast.com. Let us know what you think and have a great day, everyone. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks.